Welcome to The Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better. Good morning, Lydia, Roberto. How are you doing today? Good. Fantastic. Super excited to have you here. I know it's bright and early for you both, so I'm very grateful for you waking up and taking the time. Um, everybody else in the in the room, super glad you're here today. We're going to chat about everyone's favorite topic, how to write killer cold emails that actually convert and bring you business. Um, and you're in for a treat today because we truly have some of the best in the game here in this room to help us through this topic. And we also have tons of really actionable tacti tactical takeaways you're going to have from this call. We're going to do kind of a live teardown of some cold emails that have been sent into us, talk through what's working, what's not, and give you really actionable tips on how to rewrite your emails to help you sell better. Um, before you jump in, I just wanted to say you should all be very proud of yourselves for showing up today. I know it's not easy to take agency over your own coaching and development, especially at the end of the month, but we're going to make sure we make the best use of your time, um, give you some really actionable takeaways to help make September even better for you. So just give yourself a pat on the back and thank you. Um, where is everyone tuning in from today? Be sure to throw that in the chat. We would love to hear. Ooh, Dublin, Ohio, Chicago, Little Rock, New York. Lydia, where are you based again? I'm in the Bay Area, in California. Bay Area? I saw Orange County, so I'm not the only early person. <laughs> awesome. We got Ukraine, Poland. Roberto, where are you at? Based in Tampa, Florida. Nice. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, today's guests both came highly recommended to me. And after chatting with both of them, I can say that they're really going to drop some great knowledge for you here today. Lydia Hutchison, the head of sales development at Hypercurrent, um, her whole mission is to build high converting outbound engines. She also just released a super exciting resource from her new company, the Ruby Project on cold emails. So we'll chat about that at the end of the call. Be sure to stick around. That's going to be awesome. Um, joining Lydia is Roberto Carrero, the director of sales development at GoLinks. He also has a consulting agency dedicated to sequence design and email copy creation for SDRs and AEs. So we literally have the experts in the room with us today. Um, how are you both feeling today? Ready to chat about some emails? Ready to do it. Nothing like cold email first thing in the morning. <laughs> Best way to wake up. It's like a copy. Yeah. Oh, super exciting. Um, huge thank you to our sponsors of the day, Vidyard and Zoom Info, for making this show possible. For a drop of the day, um, Vidyard has generously shared a 60-day course on how to level up your video game. Check that out in the link in the chat. And if you're excited to learn about cold emails, but you also want to level up the rest of your sales skills, um, we have good news because we do this every single day. So scan the QR code to see what shows we have upcoming or check us out at sellbetter.xyz. So as we're jumping into the agenda, I would love to know who's in the room today. Do we have SDRs? Do we have AEs? Do we have frontline managers? Want to make sure we know who we're talking to. Um, all right. And for this call, um, we're going to start with three higher level tips um, from our two expert guests on how to level up your email outreach game. And then we're going to do a tactical teardown of cold emails. So this is going to be super helpful because we're going to have a bunch of different examples, emails written in different styles for different personas um, of the original email, a breakdown of what's working, what's not, and a potential rewrite. So this is going to give you a lot of good actionable takeaways. And then we're also going to chat about generally what's working and what's not in the email space. So you're really going to walk away with a lot of knowledge on how to level up your game. Also, if you have any questions during the call, be sure to throw them in the Q&A box. Um, we're going to save some time to answer those at the end of the call. 
All right. It looks like we have the majority SDRs and BDRs in the room, which is awesome. Um, you're in exactly the right place. So excited to chat with you all today. Also have some AEs, some senior leadership and managers. So thank you all so much for showing up. Let's jump into it. Um, we're going to start with this email here. And everyone, as you're following along, reading these emails, thinking about what's working, what's not, feel free to throw your ideas in the chat as well. Um, but I'd love to hear from our guests. Roberto, do you want to kick us off? Do you have any thoughts on this email right off the bat? I will kick us off. Yes. The first thing I noticed about this email is that there is a significant amount of generic personalization in the beginning. Honestly, I would skip that part. Um, you know, hiring a new media manager is okay. I prefer to lead with some kind of problem or issue. And that isn't super clear to me in the beginning. Um, a relevant trigger work, some kind of problem statement. And then in the second line of the email, I call it twisting the knife, introducing a problem, and then talking about the impact of that problem. That's what's going to get my attention in this email. And I didn't really get it here. Lydia, anything yeah. new to add there? <clears throat> There's definitely value in highlighting that cost of inaction. I actually like to do my opening line a little bit different, but Roberto, I love your point on like, if you don't have a relevant trigger or an actual personalization, just skip it because it falls flat. And when you think about what prospects see in the preview window, whether it's on their desktop or in their phone, that first line is basically what you have to make them decide whether or not they're going to open it. And if you're just calling out something that's blatantly obvious, it's not. there's not a ton of value there. I like to take that trigger and turn it into a question, and we can talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, so what sticks out to me is we're not front-loading a lot of value here. I do like how the um, <clears throat> the pain is kind of broken up and bulleted out, so that's nice. Um, but then this, the call to action to me is not really a call to action. It's a closed-ended question. So that's my initial feedback. Gotcha. Um, everyone, if you have any thoughts, be sure to put them in the chat as well. Um, we're going to jump over to a potential rewrite with kind of a formula that you can follow for your own emails. Lydia, can you talk us through this? Yeah, so this is part of the formula that I teach in my cold email course. Um, I mean, we talked about what wasn't working, right? It was very generic. Personalization wasn't needed. Um, I like to turn <clears throat> the problem into an outcome-based question. So, um, you know, the give them a chance to imagine what life could be with you without actually saying what you sell. And then the problem statement. So that was right in the original format. Um, a solution drop, which isn't selling, so here's what we help you do. This is what the outcome looks like. And then the soft CTA, which is like, is this something you're interested in? Do you want to learn more? Do you want to have a chat? You you know, let go of wanting to get the meeting right off the bat and just find out if it's something that, that they're interested in talking about. Solution drop. I love that. That's not something, that's not a term I'd heard before. Mm -hmm. Roberta, do you have any favorite soft CTAs to throw in at the end of a call if you're or email if you're not really sure what to say? I personally like this one, open to learning more, or, you know, does this sound interesting? Just something to to prompt a reply. You know, I think that asking for a meeting on the first email, I think, is a, a big no-no for everyone on this call. Um, so I, I personally like this one. Gotcha. Is, is there a certain number of emails you usually wait before it makes sense to ask for a meeting? Or does it kind of just depend on how they respond to this email and where that interest goes? Um, I think the second or third email is fine. Um, just generally, I would have waited on the first one. Okay. And for people who are maybe a bit new to the game, 
why like what is the reasoning behind that behind not making that ask early on if that's kind of what you're there for i want to provide a certain level of value first before i ask for something Mm -hmm. right and i think getting at least two emails in gives me an opportunity to do that um so leading with some kind of problem introducing how my solution can solve that problem or help them uh, i don't think one email is enough two could probably get you there Gotcha. Yeah, that that's like great. Asking like when you're asking for something, automatically people's defenses go up. Like think about when you're walking through the mall and they're trying to hand you those free face lotion samples and like you know what's coming if you take that sample. So you're like, no, stay away, right? So it's the same thing. Like people are so used to this like aggressive sales tactic that they just like their walls go up instantly. So when when you use a soft CTA, you're like putting the ball in their court, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. Um, I have a question here from Meg and everybody, again, throw your questions for us at, at the end for the Q&A, but this seems relevant to this one. Is it okay to ask two questions on a cold email? That's a really good question. I like to think of the first question as like a thought provoking statement with a question mark on it. Like I'm not actually asking them to answer that what i'm asking is if they're open to learning more actually i think this is not even grammatically correct because that's not even a question that's a sentence i shouldn't have put a question mark at the end of that first sentence but meg i think yes but like i've run my emails through lavender and they kind of advise against that it just sort of depends on like you know read it through does it make sense then probably and if it seems weird then probably not you just i go with my gut for, from my perspective on that, you know, if you're introducing something that I may have not thought about in the form of a question in that first email, then you've piqued my interest, mm-hmm. right? If you said something like, hey, Roberto, have you ever thought that your SDRs could be missing X? Then I think, oh, maybe I should read the rest of this email, right? That's the way that I'd think about the first question in the first line. I really like that. I feel like some of the favorite cold email advice I've seen is like each line is like trying to get them to read the next line. Like just you're just trying to get them. That's that what email. it is. It's yeah. Like your cold call, like your first couple of words literally determine whether you're going to continue having a conversation or not. Yeah. An excellent point, Lydia, too, about like, remember, like general buyer behavior and think about yourself as a buyer. Like you said, if you're in the mall or I don't know, like even if you're shopping at a clothing store, they're like, do you need help? Even if you do, usually it's like, no, no, like mm-hmm. <laughs> you, know, you don't want to be sold to. So no, that's that's great. We we have a bunch more of these email teardowns that we're going to jump into. But first, I wanted to ask both of you for if a new rep came to you and said, hey, I'm, I'm looking to get into cold email. I'm trying to get the fundamentals right. What are the top three pieces of advice you'd give about how to write killer cold emails? Roberto, if you want to give us one first. Yeah, I can jump in. I, I think Keeping it under 50 words would be ideal. I think 75 max. But a lot of the cold emails that I see from newer reps, they're just way too long. They're like long sentences, big blocks of text. I would avoid that. Uh, we covered this already, but avoiding the, the generic personalization up front, I think is a big one. You know, I noticed that you're hiring. I noticed X. I would rather lead with a problem statement or something that I haven't potentially thought about yet. Um, and then optimizing for mobile, I think is huge. So that's where those short sentences come into play. I get a lot of cold emails every day. And honestly, I scan most of them, right? I'm looking at the email preview window. If I open it, I'm kind of just scanning through. So if I see big blocks, 
you're going to lose me. If I see, you know, shorter sentences, then I can probably just scan it and get through the whole thing. Yes, that, that's great advice. Um, Lydia, I want to get to your points in just a minute, but I have a question, just like a general framing question. What What is the goal of a cold email? Because I feel like that can help sometimes too, with like understanding the mindset, because you think, oh, 50 words, what can I communicate in 50 words? If I said, what is the goal of like a first touch cold email, what would you say the answer is? Just generating interest. Yeah. I think that's why, yeah, just get a reply. I think that's why we're going with that softer CTA, right? We're just looking to start a conversation. Exactly. Right. I might not be ready for a meeting, but I might be interested in getting more information from you, which could then lead me to scheduling a call with you. Gotcha. Lydia? Yeah, my goal is just to get a reply. Even if it's a no, that's fine. Then I can get you out of my queue and I won't bother you again. But, you know, literally starting a conversation is the goal of the cold email. And my tips are get to the point as quickly as possible. Remember that people are probably reading emails on their mobile phone. So just like Roberto said, under 50, 75 words. I mean, don't write them so short that you can't convey value, but just keep in mind, send yourself the email first and open it on your cell phone and make sure that it is mobile friendly. Um, and don't sell, right? So if you're going to sell, sell the problem or the cost of inaction. Mm -hmm. um, I very rarely even say the name of my product in the email because it doesn't matter, right? I just want to know if this outcome is interesting to you. Selling the cost of inaction. I love that. I think, because yeah, I, I feel like people, like myself included, you hear don't sell and it's like, well, I, I'm a salesperson. Like, what am I supposed to do? You know, how, how do I do that? But reframing it as helping them understand what will happen if they don't do the thing you're trying to communicate, yeah. that's gold. Sometimes there's not enough pain. Like there, there's a problem, but it's not a pain for them. And it, the cost of inaction isn't high enough to actually do something. And that's when you disqualify and move on. Like it's okay. Not everybody wants what you have. And that's really important to remember. Yeah, that, that, that's a super important note. Thank you for that. Um, we've got another email here. Um, first off, I just want to say, I'm, I'm definitely not the expert, but what Roberto was just saying about shorter emails and like mobile friendly kind of chopped up into shorter lines, like you can just see visually here, like this is, it's a little bit dense, right? So even if the content is really good, it's kind of hard to read and your brain just kind of automatically goes like, whoa, that that's a lot. So just like a good visual rep representation of what we're talking about. But yeah, I, I would love to hear where, where should we start with this one? What do we think about I'm dropping you a note from company? I hate it. <laughs> yeah, obviously I hate it. Um, I think what's interesting about this is as we go through all of these emails, the same themes are going to keep popping up. You know, writing a cold email, there's only a handful of fundamentals. And if you stick to the same, you know, five to six points, like you're going to be able to write a good cold email, right? So again, leading with a problem and not something super generic. Now I'm dropping you a note from company. Like, I don't care about that. Uh, like you said, there's not enough white space. I, I would pass on this pretty quickly from a format standpoint, um, just breaking the thoughts down in different sections. And there are way too many filler words, right? Mm -hmm. Based on experience, developing in the space, unifying operations, right? I would just make this way simpler than what it is and just that in and of itself would cut the amount of words in this email down to that sweet spot that we were talking about there's also it's worth calling out that like the iu ratio is way off in this it's i'm dropping you a line because based on my experiences 
I'm wondering, it's all about the writer. And so that's also an important, you know, usually when I see things to start with I or me or we, it's like, yep, best sales email, delete, you know. Um, it, there are a lot of questions in the chat about subject lines. So I said, my, I typically like to use two to three words that are problem-based. What What do you do, Roberto? I try to make them sound really boring and not salesy at all. Uh, and obviously, yeah, looking like an internal email, you know, anything over two words, red flag, anything with like a company name in it, whether it's my company or yours. Or your name. Red flag. Or my name, red flag. Um, so yeah, anything that sounds super boring and internal, I would use. Yeah, Dan, I like best call. And you got to be careful too, because if you get real outcome-based, then it's automatically marketing mental trigger and you know that you're going to be sword too. So I like to keep them pain-based because if it's something I'm struggling with, I'm going to open that email. Like if someone says, missed quota, yep, <laughs> you know. Yeah, like Q4 targets was one in, yeah, the, that's a good one in the chat. I like that. Yeah. Right. That could be from my CEO, maybe talking about Q4 targets. Yeah. Right. And yes, Daryl, don't be Q4 pipeline. We don't want clickbait. <laughs> yeah. No, 100%. But part of it is, again, like the subject line is trying to get them to open the email so that they can read the first line. So that line can guide them to the second line. Um, but yeah, I, I think those are those are really great tips. Like I'm in the the HR and like global hiring space. Sometimes they'll say like global team or hiring goals or something like that. Because then it's like, yeah, it doesn't feel super like pitchy, and they might think, oh, interesting. Like, what are our hiring goals? So, those are some great actionable subject lines. Let's jump into the teardown of this email. Um, definitely, like you talked about, Lydia. Too many I words, like I, me, I. Like you know, you're talking to the prospect, not about yourself. Um, yeah, the big words as well. I know I've seen from Lavender, it's what, like a fifth grade reading level? That's <laughs> yeah. shockingly, yes. Yeah. Do you do you have any advice about how to get yourself to write more at that level? I use chat GPT and I use Lavender. I mean, Lavender will help you. Uh, it takes a little bit more time, but you can literally t copy and paste your email and put it into chat GPT for free on the free version. Just say, write this at a lower grade level and it does. Um, and then write with an eraser, right? I always write an email and then go back, like Roberto said, and look at for filler words. What can I take out of this? Do I need this many words to convey the message? So every email is written with an eraser every time for me. Roger, are you using ChatGPT in your email outreach at all? I think this is where Lady and I might might disagree. Um, I I like ChatGPT for ideas, like generating new ideas. I don't want to rely on it to write my emails for me. Um, I can I see the value in asking to your emails. Yeah, I would never have it generate anything from scratch for me. But if I'm like I cannot find a way to make this less words, it does a really good job. That I would use it for that. Yes, <laughs> I would use it for that. I just want to communicate to the audience. Sell you on it, Roberto. <laughs> We're not <laughs> writing all of these emails with ChatGPT. Um, no. Yeah, that, that's my that's my stance on it. Yeah, no, I really like that you pointed that out, Lydia, and that you have your email written and then using it to help you trim it down. So I think that's an example of using AI in the right way to where... As an assistant. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I, I actually hadn't thought about doing that before. So that's that's great advice. 
Um, and that's like your tone too. Like, you know, put something in and say, make this sound a little wittier or make this sound more curious. I mean, it's a really powerful tool and it's something that I talk about in my course as well. Do you, do either of you ever use it to do research for your Absolutely. I say with moms for that. Um, I mean, you can just say, pretend you're a chief product officer at a company of this size. These are the types of products you make. What are your challenges on a daily basis? And it gives some really long answers, but it's definitely good inspiration, like pointing you as to where you can like highlight pains in your emails. And I did it for like a head of sales development. And it was pretty accurate. Really interesting. Um, I Sorry, we have a really interesting comment from Noah in the chat. He says he just graduated from Johns Hopkins. Congratulations. Um, they already have a tool that can determine when a student uses ChatGPT to write an essay, aka plagiarism. So I suspect spam filter companies will soon be deploying the same. That'll be really interesting to see how that evolves. But I think what you're saying, like using it to kind of help like trim things down is very different from having it generate things. Yes. So anyways. Because it's my words. Yeah. Awesome. I got I got one more thing on that. Um, yeah. Just a, a strategy that, that I use. Uh, I'm a big outreach guy. I prefer to go into you know, your sales engagement platform of choice, whatever you're using. But I typically go into outreach and I look for high performing emails that we've already sent. So sometimes they're coming from other reps, other people, you know, if you're just starting brand new, you know, you got experienced reps that are already in there. So I would literally copy their email word for word, throw it in a doc, and then I would start playing around with it, right? Moving things around, editing stuff. But you could add your own spin to emails that are already working if you're using a sales engagement platform. So uh, Lydia and I will debate ChatGPT offline, but that is what I <laughs> prefer to use. No, that's smart. But unfortunately, some people don't have good emails to look for, and that's maybe why they're here. <laughs> True. True. Yeah. Well, speaking of good emails, let's take a quick look into the rewrite of that email we just looked at. Um, yeah, Lydia, I'd love you to walk us through this, but something I noticed right off the bat, this looks very familiar. <laughs> the outcome-based question, the problem statement, the solution. This is my formula. This is my formula, yeah, for email one that I teach. Uh, so yeah, it looks similar. And first, you know, I'm making a lot of assumptions because these emails were submitted. I don't know a ton about the companies, but bottom line is, you know, you want to find out, could this whatever outcome help you? is what you're asking. And that's a disqualifier too, because if the answer is no, then you probably don't want to talk to him anyway. Um, and then you've got your problem statement. Most people just like you are telling me that their outdated systems cost them way too much money and it's a lot of work. Here's how we can change that. Is it worth a conversation? Pretty straightforward. Love it. And then, yeah, like you said, that cost of inaction costs them millions to maintain, meaning like if you don't make a change to do something, like here's a quick highlight of what that actually had. What would you do, Roberto? Uh, I was just going to call out that I, I really like the solution drop at the end. You know, looking at us from a sales leader perspective, like if I were to get this email and I see that, you know, I could spend potentially 50% less, that's going to get me interested. Um, I, I don't always love dropping like price statistics and stuff in the first email, yeah. but we're not calling anything out like specifically here, 50% less. Sounds intriguing enough for me to take a look at this. Yeah. So just want to call that out. You want to be careful with that solution drop not to get too salesy. And you're right, Roberta, the 50% kind of throws a little bit of, I'd say, an orange flag for me. Um, 
you know, in the second email that I teach in my framework, that's where you get to talk about your social proof and you get to beat the sales drum a little bit more. The first one is really just to kind of say like, you know, the solution drop in this first email is just, you know, we're helping people that have this problem. It's kind of like you're building credibility. What do you think about um, ROI type statements in emails? Like we've helped people get it or you can get a 25 times ROI on XYZ. I see that a lot in terms of like throwing out bull hockey. I mean, ROI means nothing without context. And so that's why I try to focus on the cost of an action. Love it. Roberta? Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like you got to be careful using that 50% less because you don't know like what they're currently spending. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't hate it here, but I don't love it. You could also just mention if you want to use something like this, you could just mention like, hey, we're helping other companies save on X. Like you don't have to call it a specific number. Or like we're helping companies that want to save money, helping companies migrate off legacy systems for more savings. Like there are a million ways you could word it like without saying 50%. Right. All right, let's jump to this next one. And everybody, I want you to put your first impressions in the chat. What do you see right off the bat? <laughs> what What's going on here? Um, Roberto, do you want to? Yeah, too long. No white space. Yep. Yes. My favorite comment is, uh, oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> so once again, just like put yourself in the eyes of the person who's going to be receiving your email. Because I like I've been there as a rep. It's like, oh, my gosh, we do so many cool things. Let me like tell them everything. Then you don't realize like on the other end, somebody's opening this email and they're that's exactly the response. They're like, oh, whoa. Even if you're saying like the most amazing things in the world, it's going to be hard to get it read. So once we dig a little bit below that layer, Roberto, you want to kick us off? What do you think about that opening line? Yeah, I mean, I think we we all know what's going on here. I think one, one thing to call out is the email preview window, right? So if I have 20 emails sitting in my inbox and I'm just scanning through that and I see I am contacting you since, I'm going to delete it right away. So really think hard about what you're saying in that first sentence because a lot of sales leaders are just opening every single email automatically. We're just going to pull up Gmail and start scanning through to see like what's spam, what's not. And this is just screaming spam right away so that is the first thing i look at lydia what about you so i'm just sitting here brainstorming how would i turn that first paragraph into a question um but yeah it's i'm contacting you since i've noticed blah 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 just even if you still want to say that sentence it could be hey looks like you're in the development phase of this what can we do you know it's yeah and then i think i jumbled the middle paragraph it was actually called out bullets but either way if your bullets are too long they're pretty much useless um just way too long way too many big words way too many words in general to convey value yeah and i just want to say too like i I know we're giving critiques on these emails but like it's, it is definitely hard to send these emails, especially if you don't have like specific coaching on how to do it. So if you've sent an email like this or you're like, wow, it might look kind of similar, like don't feel bad or not. Yeah, we are not like tearing you down. We're just saying based on the psychology of how buyers operate, like we're trying to give you some tips of how to make this easier to read. So I just I just want to make that caveat. Yeah, I mean, um, look, it took me almost two decades to actually crack the framework. So <laughs> there's that. Wow. A lot of wisdom. I love it. Um, let's talk about this ending line. Like if you're interested in discussing your progression from clinical development to commercialization further, I'd be delighted to schedule 30 minutes for us to chat. Do let me know and it'd be convenient to meet. 
I know we're going to chat about this in the next line with a soft CTA, but um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. Any, any thoughts on that specifically? Just delete the whole last paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. delete the whole thing. I mean, even if they were interested, I don't think they would have gotten this far through the email. So there's that. Exactly. All right, let's yeah, jump just, in. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Just saying, just too too many filler words. We all know it. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then in this amazing rewrite, um, we have all of that changed to open to learning more. You know, so it, again, it doesn't have to. You don't have to define all the things. I want to meet for thirty minutes. It's going to be on Teams or Zoom. Like, let me know. I'll send you an email. Like, people know how that works. They know if you tell them you're interested, they're going to schedule a meeting. Um, yeah. So just open to learning more is 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 a much better way, but. Yeah, Lydia, can you walk us through um, some of yeah. well, we talked about what was not working, but kind of how you rewrote this with this outcome-based formula question? Yep. Again, I turned that intro into a question, right? Curious of having someone in the EU to guide you through the complexities of this manual headache process that you go through would help you focus on something else, right? Growing revenue. The problem statement, keep in mind the problem statement is like Roberta said, to twist the knife, but also to build credibility and kind of position yourself as like an industry expert because you reference the fact that other people just like them are telling you the same problem. And so that's why that little piece of the line to me, most companies tell me or most product leaders tell me or whatever, is like you want them to know that you're having these conversations with other people just like them too. Um, so here's the problem. The process is complicated. They're not spending enough time selling. We want to simplify for that, that for you. Do you want to chat? It's pretty straightforward. Uh huh. How Versus, would you do different? Yeah, Roberto, I'm curious. Um, the only thing I might do different here is just twist the knife a little bit a little harder. harder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my my formula is pretty similar, except I just add another sentence for just like showing what the impact of that problem statement like cost could of an be. action. Yeah. Yeah. Cost of an action. Right. So like if there's a problem, like what happens if I don't change? Mm -hmm. Like what's the negative consequence of me not changing? Like and that's the only thing that I would add here. Yeah. yeah. FOMO factor is really powerful if you use it right. Do you have any yeah. ideas, Roberto, on how to frame that um, cost of an action statement? Because I feel like as a rep, it can be a little intimidating to be like, if you don't frame it right, it's like, oh, well, this X, Y, Z bad thing's going to happen to you if you don't talk to us. Like, I know that's obviously not the way to say it, but like how to keep it as illustrating the problem versus feeling like a hard pitch, if that makes sense. Yeah, if it, if it feels too, if it feels like too much of a hard pitch, you could try and introduce some kind of social proof into it so it doesn't seem so harsh. Um, and uh, I'm just like spitballing here, but it could be like, hey, this company was experiencing this as a result of that. Mm -hmm. And this is how we solve it after that. So it's not like, hey, I'm telling you this is going to happen to you, but hey, this is what we've seen. This is what we've seen. Mm -hmm. And this is how we solve for that. After yeah. That. Nice. Um, what about for people who are selling a relatively new product? Maybe they don't have a lot of customers or social proof they can share. Do you have any thoughts, there? Yeah, Lydia? <laughs> That's me at Hypercurrent. I mean, we're brand new. Um, when you don't have social proof, you want to really lean on your industry expertise and you can learn that through following competitors. You can learn that through following thought leaders and you really just want to be talk talking about the pains that people in the industry experience. Um, if you don't have social proof, you don't have it. Um, that's when you really want to lean on marketing, product marketing specifically. 
Um, I wish there was a silver bullet, but there's not. You just kind of have to work with what you have and position yourself as a thought leader. Something else I wanted to talk about, because I've, I've seen this in all the, the rewrites so far, that we are really focusing on relevance to the industry, the pain point, the problem we're solving. You're not talking about where they went to college. You're not, you know, like, can you walk us through that difference between relevance and personalization and how you approach that outreach in terms of kind of scale versus one-on-one? Roberto. Yeah, Roberto. Yeah. Um, I know this might be... This might be a little bit different than what I've seen other people talk about on LinkedIn, but I actually like when people <laughs> call things out off of LinkedIn. Uh, I know that some people say LinkedIn isn't personalization. I disagree with that. I think it is if your target prospect is active on LinkedIn, right? So for example, I posted something maybe about a month ago about a data provider and a rep emailed me and they said something along the lines of, Hey, saw you saw you were in the market for a data provider and mentioned my LinkedIn post right. with a screenshot of my LinkedIn post, right? So immediately that was personalized. It was something that I had posted on LinkedIn, but it was also, you know, in a way relevant. Like I was looking for a data provider, right? Um, that that's how I would think about the personalization piece, right? It's something that you made an observation for. Um, relevancy could just be something related to my personal role, a problem that I might be having in my specific role in my day-to-day process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Lydia, if you can expand on that. I think personalization is really hard to do at scale. And so maybe the way that I typically approach is that I, I tier my prospects out. So I'll have tier one prospects who are really, really valuable. I know they're an amazing fit. Those are the ones that I'm going to personalize. And then there's the tier two who like they fit the ICP, they fit my persona guidelines, but I'm going to lean a lot more heavily into relevance than personalization so that I can scale. So just tier it out, spend your time on the right things and prioritize, right? Love it. All right. So time is syncing up on us and I want to save time for the Q&As at the end. So we're going to run through these next two a little bit quicker. Um, Right off the bat, what what are your first impressions here, Roberto? I know that we rewrote this and introduced a couple of things that we would fix. I think this is the best email that we've seen so far. And I personally wouldn't butcher this one too much. Obviously, there's things that, that we could change and, and edit on this, but I personally like the first line. If I was speaking to you know builders uh, in that specific city, and you know maybe that was something that was like in my industry, I could be interested in, in reading more about that. Um, so I actually don't hate it. I think we could change it, but I don't hate that first line. Lydia, what do you think? Oh, Lydia, I think you're muted. Yeah, I'm mute. <laughs> it's relevant and it's personalized to that person. And then they jump right into the pain. Um, so yeah, this one, this is not bad at all. I think it runs on the border of being a little too short for me. Because um, remember, if you don't get that value in there, then it's questionable. But right. Um, 
it's like here you talk about um, people being frustrated, you know, the tedious work, all of this. So I think that's a really good way to illustrate. But yeah, again, it's like you saw like just visually. I'm sure everyone in the chat too can see like seeing that versus the email before. It's like that to me, like the really long, dense one is just like anxiety. But that one is like, okay, yeah, I can read this. This seems doable. This seems approachable. This doesn't seem like a huge ask on my end. So awesome. Awesome feedback there. Um, let's jump into this one. How do we think on this one? I, I was just confused on what pickers are. I had that. I don't, yeah. I don't know what pickers are, what picking is. If, if these prospects will understand what that is, that's great. I personally do not know. So that was confusing to me. Um, and I would just personally get to like another kind of problem statement faster. Um, I don't know how good this one is around looking for products. Um, but I, I would introduce something a little different faster. Danielle, you're right. This is retail related. And I, I got, I reached out to this person to get a better understanding. It's like the people that run around to fill orders to get them ready to ship. Um, it is maybe a little bit too specific, depending on who the ice, the persona is. Like that might be way below them. Maybe they don't use that term. I don't know. That kind of concerns me. But um, again, okay. like maybe taking too long isn't a problem for them. Maybe that doesn't matter. So then that's when you really have to, like Roberto says, twist the knife and talk about. Well, if things take too long, your customers are going to get pissed. So it needs like some expansion. Sorry, what were you going to say, Sydney? Yes, no, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But like if you got this email and it said, Lydia, you know how SDRs spend hours at a time manually hunting down accounts or something like that. If it was related to your specific industry, how do you feel about that as an opener? Is like, you know how SDRs do X, Y, Z? I feel like it's too assumptive because maybe I'm already okay. using automation. Maybe yeah. I've already got it under control. Like I would, I would, I don't know. I don't like the assumptive tone, but that's just me. Okay. Yeah. I'll add to this. Sorry for cutting you off. Another thing I would add to this is I personally like that the problem in the third paragraph more than anything else that they've mentioned in the first two lines. Um, in this email, I would probably just lead with giving customers accurate delivery times and making that my problem statement in here. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, enabling pickers to get orders ready in minutes without burning out. So to me, the main problem in this is let's get your customers accurate delivery times and then you move forward with the rest of the email. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Exactly. Illustrating that pain. So yeah, just, just a quick um, recap, a little bit vague, not enough focus on that pain. Um, and then using the same formula again. So this is something I want everybody to take home and remember. And I think I saw a question about this. Yes, this will be recorded so you can watch this back. And also Lydia's email course, which we'll talk about, but um, this is a great way to approach how you're writing your emails because it can feel really overwhelming to start from scratch and just not know what to do. But you've seen through all these different industries, email types, et cetera, we followed a similar flow. So one more I want to jump into um, before we get to those that Q&A. Um, and this is one that neither Lydia nor Roberto has seen yet. So we're going to be viewing it all together for the first time, um, putting them on the spot. And Dan put one in the chat too. If we have time to get to it, that would be awesome. Ooh. All right, let's let's just do a, a quick scan yeah. of this. Ah, um, that's a first reaction. <laughs> what, what what are you reacting to there? I hope this email finds you well. I keep seeing Donald Trump's um, booking photo, and there were like memes about that. Like that's if I see that, it's an automatic delete. I don't know why. 
just like, so what? And you don't care if I'm well or not. Like, let's be real. Gotcha. Um, I would say, yeah, don't apologize for sending a cold email. Don't call out that, you know, they weren't expecting the message. Of course, they're not expecting this message. It's a cold email, right? I, I would probably just scrap the entire first paragraph and I would reword the second paragraph to, again, introduce some kind of problem, then introduce your, you know, solution, twist the knife, all the stuff we've been talking about. But this goes with the theme of too many filler words um, within all of these emails. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, love it. Thank you for that feedback. We have, yeah, we do have an email from Dan in the chat. So let me quickly throw that into a slide. Um, we do, we'll just have a quick second to review it. In the meantime, let's start with this Q&A. Um, all right, let's see. Any tips to make sure your emails are not getting caught in spam filters? That's a question from Perry. There are, I actually, Perry, I just released a checklist yesterday, deliverability checklist. So yeah, I have a list of about 50 tips for you. And that's the next course I'm working on. But unfortunately, SDRs don't usually have control over most things on that list. I would say avoid images, any links, any HTML, make your signature super plain in your first email. Because then if you land in spam, then you can add your uh, resource link or whatever in the second one. But just Plain text, super basic, no fancy stuff. That's my advice to you. Yes. Um, another thing that, that I would add to this, you know, I'm a big outreach guy, but watch the the volume that you're sending. So figure out, you know, hey, should I send 20 emails or 25 emails in a day? A lot of the platforms will have safeguards in place where they'll throttle your emails, but you still want to be careful of how many emails you're sending out. Um, and especially like, at what times of the day and you know, are you batching these how far between are your emails so you just want to like be careful with that you don't want to blast hundreds of emails out in the span of two minutes right you can joke at five gotcha so we have another email that's kind of related to that from jasmine what are your thoughts on vidyard and doing video outreach including the link in the email i know links can impact deliverability but i've heard mixed responses yeah so th this one this is an interesting question um if you're trying to send out a decent amount of volume, I would avoid sending the email or sending the video in the first email. Something I've seen that works, I know this is controversial, asking for interest in the video has worked on me a couple of times, right? A rep will craft up a, a pretty good email. And then at the end, the CTA is, hey, would you mind if I sent you a video explaining how we can help? Yep. And then they let me reply to that saying, yes, I'm interested in the video. Then they created it or just sent me what they had. So I think that's a way around it. Awesome. All right. Um, one more quick one that we're going to quickly review Dan's email. Is it good to use data survey or data or survey results in your emails? I think it depends on how relevant and like mind-blowing they are. If it's something that people kind of already know, like you're just wasting words. I mean, I don't know. What do you think, Roberto? I guess it, it just depends on yeah what it is, honestly. Um, I would be careful with it, personally. I wouldn't include you know more than one data point. Uh, but if you're going to use one, just make sure that it's something you know relevant or something that I might not know. Yeah, I think that's that's something even better. Um, if it's something that is introducing something new to me, then I would use it. I've used it for like my cold outreach on my course. Like, did you know that 60% of emails land in spam? Most people don't know that. And it's pretty shocking. But if it doesn't have that impact, then yeah, I wouldn't do it. 
Yeah. Awesome. All right. Very rapid fire. We only have like one and a half minutes. So um, right off the bat, hi, Prospect. My name is Dan and I'm a regional sales executive at HealthJoy. How are we feeling about introducing yourself right out of the gate? Dan, we know where the email came from. I know you said marketing wrote this too, and I'm just, here's my feedback in one sentence. I can tell marketing wrote this email. Same. Yeah. Um, pretty similar to what we've seen in the rest of the emails. I would probably end up scrapping the entire first paragraph and just get to the point, right? If I'm getting this email, like, what's in it for me? Are you solving some kind of problem for me? Are you educating me on something new? And like, how do you help in literally one sentence? Like, that's how I think about this. What What's the problem that you're solving for in one sentence? How are you helping me in one sentence? Yeah. And I'm assuming no one pager and probably not asking them for a specific call on this call too. Like 30 minutes. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> Awesome. Well, sorry, Dan, that we don't have a lot more time on that. Um, I hope you have some luck with marketing. But since we're right at the end of our show, I just want to say thank you, everybody, so much for joining. Super excited you're here. Um, Lydia, where can everybody find you? On LinkedIn, Lydia Hutchison. And if you have questions or want to chat, don't be afraid to send me a DM. I love helping people. Can you give us a 10-second elevator pitch for your course? Uh, it's really just, I've broken down the complexities of cold email into five simple frameworks. You, what you saw today was the framework for the first email. So I kind of go into the psychology behind it and how you can apply it to pretty much any SaaS product. So if you want to talk about it, let me know. Check it out. Awesome. Roberto, where can everybody find you? Yep. I dropped my LinkedIn in the chat there. Um, also check out my outreach course. So a lot of the things that I talk about is workflow related. So you know, it's not only how can you send cold emails, it's how can you send these cold emails to the right people at the right time. Uh, so that's something that I talk about in my outreach course. So if you're an outreach user, check it out. Amazing. Two amazing resources, two amazing follows. Be sure to connect. Um, be sure to check out the rest of the shows that we have upcoming on our website, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. We're super excited you're here today and we hope that your month is ending well and that you go write some killer emails. Thank, Thank you, everybody. Thanks, y'all.